listening to Rebecca and Holly, and we are the directors of a new society called Young Musicians for Social Justice. Young Musicians for Social Justice seeks to bring together and empower young musicians to recognise their potential as agents of social change. And this podcast asks the question, what is the role of music in bringing about social justice? Over the next 10 weeks, we are going to be hearing from a number of different speakers, all with unique perspectives on this question. We are both students at the University of Leeds. We met over coffee at Hyde Park Book Club here in Leeds, which, if you're a student, you must go to, and we bonded over our mutual interest in music and social change. We really hope you enjoy listening to our conversations as much as we did. We are aware that some scholarship exists which calls into question the ethics of the El Sistema music programme. We do not condone any form of social injustice. However, we acknowledge that in some cases, the arts, both in formal and informal education, can be used to further rather than challenge systems of oppression and injustice. This is an important part of the discussion when we speak of the socio-political aspects of music. However, we also believe that it is important to accept the reality that multiple conflicting narratives may exist at the same time, and in this case, we would not feel comfortable choosing to disregard one narrative over another. If you would like to contribute to the discussion on this or any other projects, please get in touch. So, today we are joined by Natalia Luis Bassa, um, which is really exciting. I'm really happy to be talking to her today. So Natalia is a dynamic conductor and a passionate advocate for young musicians education, forming partnerships with many institutions like the National Children's Orchestra of Great Britain, National Youth Orchestra of Scotland, Royal Conservatoire of Scotland, Leeds College of Music, OSB Music Group, and most recently the Benedetti Foundation, amongst others. She is also a record breaker as the first person to obtain a degree in orchestral conducting in her native country of Venezuela. After completing her postgraduate studies at the Royal College of Music in London, she held the RCM Junior Fellowship in Opera Conducting for two years. Her relationship with the RCM continues to this day as she is a professor of conducting there. Natalia holds a master's degree from the University of Huddersfield where she is a part-time lecturer and has been appointed Elgar Ambassador. Promoting the conducting craft and orchestra playing for young people has been a highlight of her career and she has held many successful workshops around the country. Hi, Natalia. Hello. Thank you for inviting me to take part on this. That's okay. We're very excited to have you. So the the question we ask every guest on our podcast is, what song or piece of music got you through lockdown? Wow. um, Let (laughs) me think. Because of the fact of many uh, opera houses giving free broadcast online of operas. For example, the Metropolitan Opera House in New York opened the, the programs for people we had the chance to watch wonderful productions in the Metropolitan Opera House. Then, uh, for example, I am very fond of uh, pop music. So whatever was sounding in on the radio, I would <laughs> listen to it. Um, I love salsa, Latin American music, although I'm not the best dancer in the world. <laughs> but mainly, I have to tell you that Probably the most I have seen was opera on the lockdown, taking advantage of the open broadcast. Yeah, those are really good. I remember seeing there were so many open ones during lockdown. Yes. It was really exciting. So could you could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career? Well, I, I was born in Caracas, in the capital of Venezuela. 
since since very small, I remember my parents telling me, or actually my teachers at schools telling my parents that there was a kind of a musical inclination in me. So they advised my parents to protect and support that. And actually they did. And you cannot imagine, they put me into piano. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did a bit of piano, but I didn't like piano. They put me on guitar, popular guitar, not classic guitar. So the professor said to me that I had to make my long, my nails long. I didn't like it, get out, no. <laughs> then I did, you can imagine, per, a bit of percussion, a bit of everything and nothing. And then a bit later, when I was around 12, 13 years old, old enough, but there was a moment where the professor said, okay, it is about time for you to start looking for an orchestral instrument. And at that moment, already the word El Sistema which by that time was not precisely that, the name. The name changed, the name El Sistema came a little bit, little bit uh, later. But they were talking about the Venezuelan Youth Orchestra and Maestro Jose Antonio Abreu, and that he was creating something for youth orchestras and many orchestras were being born in different cities in the country. And then it was my mom who did a very good research and told me, listen, uh, not very far from our house, there is a nucleo, which is where the orchestras uh, gather. Uh, do you want to go there and see what's going on? And she took me there and I was 15 years old, 14 and a half, 15 years old. And I loved it. And it wasn't until I think seven or eight in the evening when we left the nucleo, wow. because we were doing different things. I didn't have an instrument, but there were different activities on um, musical workshops and, uh, you know, anything, rhythmical things. And I was taking part on that. And they were showing us the orchestral instruments. They show me violins, violas, cellos, all of the possible instruments, double basses. But I wanted to play a wind instrument. I was always into a wind instrument, not because I play the recorder. It's because I wanted, from the very, very small age, I wanted to be a wind player. And I fell in love with an instrument that I never knew before. And it was called oboe. And then I said, okay, that's the one I want. <laughs> Without knowing if it was a double reed instrument, nothing, how difficult it was, nothing. Yeah. I loved it. To make the story shorter, the time went by up to a point that the musical system, the Venezuelan Youth Orchestra created a university level and I was already old enough I as you can see I started quite old I started when I was mm. 15 yeah so and and everything started seriously then meaning um music theory all this started like taking shape in 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 my life and then when I finished when I when I had the time and the ability and the level to go to university I went and I was what 21 22 years old Mm -hmm. And I started university there as an, an orchestral player for performance. Conducting didn't exist at that time. So I started along with five more friends. We started pushing those two conductors, mainly two. And the director of the university, the head of the university, pushing, can you please create a curriculum? Can you please create 
a, a career, a, a, a five years career in conducting. And we started pushing and pushing and pushing. And they finally sat down and created a curriculum of four years, of four years undergraduate studies in conducting. And we started, the five or six of us started. Wow. And it was, it was amazing because we could do some practice with the orchestras around the city. So we could go and do a bit of conducting with them or with pianos. So we were the sort of the guinea pigs. At the beginning, it was like two, two years of piano. And then they said, no, 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 we need a bit more. So they, they added an extra year of piano that I had to do. So it didn't, it didn't matter, but it was wonderful. What happened then, without me realizing, is that those friends of mine or those colleagues started giving up. And I ended up in 1994, I, I ended up being the first and only person who took <laughs> <laughs> the diploma in conducting on that year. And since then, since then, I kept, the year after I came to England mm. and I was accepted at the Royal College of Music and the rest is history. I am here since then, since 1995. I did 25 years yeah. last year. Wow. Yeah. But since then, many conductors, among them, uh, Gustavo Dudamel, uh, many, many conductors and very famous ones have came after the youth and the university really started making wow. very good and prepared musicians. That's so cool. You essentially just birthed an entire generation of Venezuelan conductors all by yourself. <laughs> I don't think it was me exactly, but I think it was it was the fact that the Sistema was growing. Mm. The orchestras were growing also in level. So whoever had to stand in front of the orchestra had to have a very good level. Orchestras were starting to realize that the person that was conducting them was not as prepared as they were. Mm, yeah. So it was a kind of a, a, a necessity. They had to be prepared to be in front of the orchestra as we all conductors need to be. If you want to play, to work with the orchestra, you need to be prepared. So for our listeners who maybe don't know, could you briefly outline what El Sistema is and what the original goal of El Sistema was? From the very beginning of its creation, I think El Sistema was uh, following the aim that it that has nowadays, which was to rescue, in a way, those children's, uh, children and adolescent people that were not taking the correct path in their lives. Mm. What do I mean with this? Uh, many delinquency in Venezuela, uh, a, a, a not very safe country. The, I presume Abreu at that time, a very, very human uh, person, watched this and said, okay, what, is, what could be the way for me to, to transform these kids? Mm. And they had a motto, actually. A kind of a motto was like, give me your weapon and I'll give you an instrument yeah and that that's the way it started it was social from the very beginning and that's the reason why the nucleus most of them were in somehow I am I don't want to say deprived areas because some of them were not deprived but probably were middle low middle class areas where people didn't have instruments or didn't mm -hmm. have the facilities and, and there is where Jose Antonio Abreu went. I'm going to talk about Caracas at this moment because there is where I was formed. 
he went to different places in Caracas. He chose places where he knew he was going to help, where, where he saw children were not uh, after school at two o'clock in the afternoon, were not doing anything but drugs or delinquency or perhaps nothing. So what, we, what can we do to make them do something busy? And he started creating that. So I think for El Sistema, the original goal is what it is today, is to help, to support, and to transform yeah. lives in a transform. way. Do you feel that it brings communities together? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I can tell <laughs> you from my experience, I was in an orchestra in Caracas, in one of the nucleus. Mm. And my friend, uh, my friend, my first flute of the orchestra, the first flute of the orchestra, she was living completely opposite from where I was living. Mm -hmm. And I had the chance to have a car. And I was taking her, I was get, giving, giving her a lift to her house. Well, I was invited to get into her house. I was invited to have dinner with her granny and get to go on Saturdays to share with them. And like me, many other people. So we were making a kind of a family together. And this mm. is, I think, what it, it is still happening. And yes, it unites, to, it makes communities get more together. I think nowadays you can see that in, in some other Sistema-based projects around mm. the world. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're talking mm. to Veronica soon, uh, who's working in Scotland. I like that idea of sort of music education as a sort of musical family and creating like that idea of having a family outside of your own family. I think it's and really that's nice. the way it started. If you see it, if we go back to the very beginning in 1976 when it started, it was it was a family. I think. The story says that Jose Antonio Abreu, uh, in a kind of a garage, or I don't know, in a space he found in the center of the capital, he put like 20 stands and uh, 40 chairs, thinking that <laughs> such amount of people was coming, and only six came. Oh, no. <laughs> and those six, Holly, are still there. Wow, that's they amazing. Are still there. And we were looking at each other like, what are we going to do now? And they started making chamber music, mm. orchestra-like, with Abreu conducting them and teaching them and guiding them. And this started like the gremlins in a good way, <laughs> growing and yeah. growing and growing. And look where it is today in the other side of the world it is mm. today. It's unbelievable. That's really great. You've also mentioned to us that you feel that El Sistema is the reason you are here today? Perhaps oh, yes. you could expand a little bit on that? Well, when I was at the university, mm -hmm. so the career, the, the, the course was four years. On my last year, I had to go to the province to conduct an orchestra full-time. Yeah. And, and, and full-time in Venezuela means Mondays to Saturdays, everyday rehearsals. I was rehearsing from Monday to Fridays, six to nine in the evening oh, wow. and Saturdays from two to six in the afternoon. Here's me complaining about my two rehearsals a week. Correct, <laughs> correct. And in this country where we don't rehearse, but of course yeah. it was a formative thing. It mm. was different. Yeah. It was, it was a completely different thing. And I said yes immediately. So that was mm. my first time ever outside of the capital and putting in practice what I learned not only in 
Venezuela, but also here in England because I was coming to do summer courses. So I, I, I said, okay, yes, I'm, I'm going to do it. And I was sent to the province. And because I did several concerts with them, I had the chance to send videos of my concerts to the Royal College of Music. And that's the way I passed through the first stage of my acceptance at the Royal College of Music to do my postgraduate studies. So it is the Sistema. It is, it is El Sistema who brought me here. Wow. I, I don't think I would have done it if Sistema didn't exist because yeah. how would I have the practice if mm. I didn't have the orchestra? And that's also like how you sort of got into music more and how you found the oboe and everything anyway. So. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And if you see it in a way, I mean, whatever you see it, on every way you see it, it was El Sistema who, it was present every time in my life, all the mm. time. Yeah. So mm. in our initial conversation with you, you, you spoke a bit about how El Sistema's ideology and role has changed over the years in Venezuela, depending on the political situation. Do you think you could go into a bit more depth about this? I think the, uh, the ideology of El Sistema hasn't changed. As I mentioned to you earlier, I think it is the same. The thing is that El Sistema is not a private organization. It's, a, it's an organization that needs the support of the government. Whatever the, the government is in charge, whoever the government is in charge, El Sistema was asking for that government to, to help. Mm. But the years went by and someone else came um, and the things have ch and the things changed. And that someone else was Hugo Chavez. Mm -hmm. Hugo Chavez came in 1999 and he came to the to the scene as a Democrat. But once he got the power into power, he started taking off the mask and he started showing who really he was. Yeah. And he he was a dictator and he was a a person who was very much into whatever I want to do is whatever is going to be done. If you are not with me, you are against me. So he started shutting down radio stations, television stations, very in, in a, without any reason, because I don't want you to be on air anymore. I am closing your, your television station. Mm. And the year came in 2007, I was already here in England. And uh, the year came when he realized that El Sistema was his best flag to show around the world his social, between inverted commas, uh, work in Venezuela. So what he did is sh to show to the world that actually many people in the world thought that El Sistema was created by Hugo, by Hugo Chavez, that El wow. Sistema was created in 2007 when, when the Simón Bolívar Orchestra came to the proms with Gustavo Dudamel there is where El Sistema started shining around the world. And many people thought, wow, what's going on in Venezuela? Mm. And I, actually it was my duty for me to say, no, 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 El Sistema is alive from 1976, it's 40 odd years old. Yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with Hugo Chavez. But this man, whose name I don't think I will pronounce anymore, this man was <laughs> so unfortunately clever that mm. took the Sistema as his flag to show the world how much he has helped the country. Mm. And it was the opposite. He hasn't helped the country at all. When he passed away in 2013, then his heir arrives, which is the one that is now, is Nicolás Maduro, whose name I'm not going to say anymore, and things <laughs> got worse. And what happened with El Sistema? El Sistema now is um, directed the staff, the principles of the Sistema, 
belong all to the government, have to do something with, with the government. And underneath them, there are many people that are still because they cannot leave the country because they don't have the resources to leave the country. They have to be there and do whatever the government says. Meaning if the government says we need an orchestra to play tomorrow in this stadium and we want you to play A, B and C, they have to go and play A, B and C because uh, otherwise the government will not support El Sistema anymore. Uh, so it's kind of like the... It's the, blackmail. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> put, put it, it simply, blackmail. it's blackmail, but I'm guessing that like that's completely sort of taken away the authenticity for a lot of musicians. I would say so, I would say so. It, it is, it is, but mm. I am faithful that that things will change. The thing is that it has been for the last 21 years. Yeah, well, I guess, uh, so you mentioned that the, the ideology hasn't changed. No, exactly. It yeah. is still there. Yeah. It is still there. And so we're talking to Veronica, who works in El Sistema in Scotland. So I was wondering sort of what your thoughts are for the future of El Sistema across the globe, potentially. Wow. Big question, I know. <laughs> I know, it's, it's, it's a, I think it's an easy one. It's big, but it's easy. It mm. has to be supported. Yeah. I I think it is, is the proof of not only a social positive thing, but it's a completely different way and a good one to learn music. And I, and I need to go back again to my, my beginnings. Or, or, or someone else's beginning, El Sistema. Before El Sistema existed, you had to study your instrument like for 10 years or whatever it took. How long is for, does it take for you to take the cello diploma? I don't know, eight oh, years, nine yeah, years? Longer than that, probably. Exactly. <laughs> so you had to be prepared 10 years and study and study to apply to probably one of the two orchestras that existed in Venezuela. Yeah. And they would tell you, sorry, no, you cannot be here because you have to wait for someone to die. Gosh. And then you might audition to that place. So what did Jose Antonio do? The, completely the opposite. He created the orchestra, invited everyone to play, everyone mm. with age level, not musical level, age level. You come tomorrow afternoon and you are with us. And some of us couldn't, I started at 15 <laughs> with, what am I doing? But I was there mm. and I was learning rhythms or other things, musically talking, history of music parallelly. So I think it is, is something, it's a project that needs to be developed everywhere, wherever it's possible. And you can, you can tell it is, it is across the world and I, the globe. And I think it needs to keep going. Mm. It's, it's, it has proved unbelievably good. Yeah. I think it's really great just to hear what you were saying about everyone being included initially. I think it's just particularly in the UK, and I know Veronica will talk a bit about this, but all the music hubs are dying out and that kind of opportunity for education is so limited to certain yeah. groups of children. And I just really yeah. like that ethos of just being like, right, come along, you're all invited, no matter what level, and we're just gonna do it. It's been really great to chat to you. Just before we finish, I'm just wondering if there's any way our listeners can learn a bit more about El Sistema or you and your music, or if there's anything you wanted to promote while we're here. <laughs> I had been named, I don't know if you're aware, principal guest conductor of the Uni Oxford University Orchestra. 
Oh my God, that's so exciting. Holly, I can't believe it. It is very exciting. That will, mean, that will mean that I will work with the orchestra every year, one, one term every year. Yes, no, yeah, that's such a good idea. It is a wonderful idea and I'm still pinching myself. So answering to your last question is learn more about El Sistema. Ooh, I should have done this research. Rebecca and I will link some resources below to information on El Sistema and you can also listen to Veronica's podcast. Thank you so much, Natalia. My pleasure. So today I am joined by Veronica Yurigo. Veronica is from Venezuela and studied violin at El Sistema Music Programme where she obtained her Bachelor in Music. She held teaching posts in different cities around her country and was invited to deliver teacher training programmes at different conservatoires. She now lives in the UK where she works at Sistema Scotland as an upper string tutor and conductor at the Big Noise Centre in Raplock. She is currently studying for a master's degree in learning and teaching in the performing arts at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. She has been associated with the National Children's Orchestra of Great Britain as both a tutor and a conductor for many years and most recently with the Benedetti Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us, Veronica. Thank you for inviting me. So um, it's great to have you on here and particularly to chat about um, your work with Elsa Stemmer. So um, when and how did you start to get involved with Elsa Stemmer? Well, I started Sistema when I was four years old, back in Venezuela. As you say, I was born and bred in Venezuela. And I started there uh, singing at four years old. And I stayed until I was 24 years old when I graduated uh, from the university, uh, an institution that belonged to the Sistema program. And yes, and that, that's a, a long 20 years of being part of El Sistema, a product of El Sistema, if you want to say it like that. Okay, so and um, how's that developed? So in what capacity are you involved with El Sistema now? Well, I actually stopped at 24 because I moved to the UK. If it wasn't because I moved to the UK, I probably would be still teaching in the Sistema in Venezuela, but I moved here. And luckily enough, I found a job in the first ever uh, nuclear project or center project of El Sistema in Europe. And it was founded in Scotland, in Stirling, in Raploch, to be more precise, um, a community in, in the Stirlingshire Council. Yeah. So I have been teaching in there or working in there with the community from 2010 until now. Well, present, current, we are um, still in there. <laughs> still there, still going strong. Okay, great. So you describe El Sistema as a music program. Um, you could also describe it as an orchestra, I suppose, or an orchestral program. What is different about El Sistema? And what, what's the basic model, the basic vision? I'm going to tell you the short version of it. Okay. <laughs> the way of Sistema works, or the, the initial idea, the original idea, is to work in a community, in a community of, musical, of music making. Okay. So normally you start in music education, you start privately, you start learning your instrument, but the whole idea of system is to start the other way around. So you start in a group, you start learning your instrument in a group. So right. with your peers, with people your same age or not. So there is a variety of there. And it's one of the beauty of El Sistema program that anyone, any age, 
any background, doesn't matter, you come and learn, and also in a group. I always describe El Sistema program as the idea of the microcosmos of a country, because the orchestra is the microcosmos of a country. Everyone is involved. Everyone played an important role, an important part uh, for the greater good of your community. There is no competition. There is no prize at the end. It's only a greater good. The final product is for the benefit of everyone. So if I'm telling you Sistema is an orchestral program, yes, it is. We based the music making, the music learning on group ensemble orchestral learning. So we are starting the other way around. No when you already join the orchestra is from day one, you join an orchestra and you learn by playing. I love that. The idea of starting from whatever background, starting with people who are whatever and age, whatever ability as well. Is that right? Absolutely, whatever ability. And, and I have to say, individual practice is quite boring. So it's better if you are a four-year-old, a seven-year-old, and you are, you are in that moment of your life when your social environment is so important to you to start making all these connections that also your music making or your music learning is done in a group with your friends. Yeah, how fun for them. <laughs> it, it is fun. And it's a, it's a very important, one of the most important social parts of this whole idea. Yeah, sure. One thing that does come to mind, and um, maybe you're able to shed some light on this, if you've got an orchestra of variety of different age levels and ability levels, how does that work in practice? Because I know some people might say, well, if you've got an amazing, you know, grade eight violinist and a beginner, how can you work together in an orchestra? And you just strung the right chord in there. Okay. I played Beethoven 5 with only four notes. And then <laughs> when I played those four notes, I had another arrangement where I could play 20 notes. And after I learned those 20 notes and so on and so forth. So you learn there are many arrangements of the same piece that you learn every step, every level. So nobody is left behind. Yes, you will have grade A, fantastic virtuosos, whatever you want to call it, but you will also have the beginners and all of them will have a part to play, sure. all of them. What a fantastic model. I don't know, I have to say, I don't know any other model like that. Well, Sistema was funded in 1975, so it's quite a long time for a lot and plenty of arrangement to, to be done. But that's the way, that's the way. Everyone plays a part. And even if you cannot play 100% of the notes, you won't be left behind. You won't be uh, sacked of the orchestra. You will be there until you learn it. Sure. I wonder, are there any particular challenges about the El Sistema program? I'm going to tell you something quite important here. The culture class between El Sistema Venezuela and Sistema, not only in Scotland, all over the world, is quite important because all Sistema programs around the world are inspired by El Sistema Venezuela. In Sistema Venezuela, yes, we are, we are encouraged to play, we are never left behind, but it's quite something that you're told what to do. You need to do exactly what your teacher said, and we have quite strong way to teach India. But obviously, when you move around the world, not only in here, around the world, you are encounter with this clash with this culture clash 
because you cannot use the same way of teaching that we do in Venezuela, that you, you can not implement that way of teaching in here, in my case, in Scotland. So you need to learn how to roll and adapt those programs or those ways of delivering uh, in here, in my case. So I think one of the main challenges of El Sistema is to implement one way of teaching that has been almost impossible because there are so many talented and well-equipped people that are taught us over the years that it's impossible to say okay sistema is taught this way no so you will not have like a recipe to teach in the venezuelan way there is so that presents a challenge when yeah. you have to present an idea of a unified way of teaching. That's impossible. Right. So that's the main challenge. And does that feed into your own personal development? Obviously, you, I mentioned before that you're studying yourself towards a master's in teaching and learning. Has that fed into your own studies? Absolutely. Completely. Not only personally and professionally, but everywhere, everything. Because I have to adapt my own education background to the way of teaching in here. I couldn't, I couldn't teach in Sistema Scotland the way I was taught in Venezuela. No way. First, because it's to begin with the language and obviously the approaches, but is the pace, the rewards, the celebrations are quite different in my country and in here. So yes, I have learned a lot teaching in Sistema Scotland and I have changed and broadened most important my horizons and my ideas mm -hmm. of ways of teaching, methods and possibilities. So it, it has been an, an absolute fantastic learning journey for me. Great, that's, that's fantastic to hear. Turning now to El Sistema Scotland specifically, can you yep. speak a bit more about the work that El Sistema does with the community in Scotland? Well, we, we worked in challenged communities. Let's work it in that way. So we have four centers around Scotland. The first one in Raplock, the second one in Govan Hill in Glasgow, the third one in Torrey Aberdeen, and the fourth one in Douglas in Dundee. Mm -hmm. So these communities are quite they were quite challenged, but they were picked because they, they offered a huge potential to work with the kids and the communities and the schools. And they were very open for us to start going into their core, their heart of their work, in the heart of the education program. So this is one of the important things that the work of Sistema Scotland is doing around we are we have the full backup of the communities that we are working with mm -hmm. and so does that involve essentially in the same principles that we described earlier involving musicians whatever age whatever ability and essentially recruiting them to establish an orchestra and do you have different levels of the orchestra how does that all work has it got a more broad scope in terms of how you engage with the community well in Sistema Scotland, as inspired by Sistema Venezuela, we work from kids from birth. We have baby noise and we work <laughs> with them all the ways. It's true. 
Yes. And we work all the way to adulthood. So it doesn't matter if you leave school, you will still be participating in some kind of learning in Sistema, even after you leave school. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we have various ensembles, and it depends on the center as well. Each center runs their own program adapted to whatever they need in the community. For example, in my center in Raplo, we have baby noise, we have toddlers group, we have the adult orchestra. So these are members of the community. It doesn't mean only parents of the kids, it's any member of the community. Also, within the school, we have the special needs school. We provide music lessons and services for the special needs school. We also have all the kids all the way from P4 all the way to S5. So we have ensembles, for example, of conservant, which are woodwind, brass and percussion. And we have three levels ensembles for them. We also have four level string ensemble. So there is a variety of, uh, and it's not only classical music. So we have a, a whole variety of music skills for them for them to try mm-hmm. and because we are not attached or fixed on a curriculum we are free to try and offer them whatever is in there yes we do have some kind of a line of a teaching yes obviously for example jazz we have uh, we have improvisation we have all the conducting so we have all these kind of schemes that offer them, and not only the kids, but all the adults as well around the community, whatever they want to try in music. They can so, try it, whatever it is. Absolutely. And yes, and they can try and they can come. And once you are Sistema, you will always be Sistema. So you are <laughs> welcome to whenever you want to. If you want to take a break and come back, that's absolutely fine. We will be very happy to see you back. In whatever, if you don't want to play the violin because it's boring and you wanted to change for a trumpet, why not? You're still <laughs> with us, you're still making music and we are very happy to see you. Oh, I love that. It's program. a lovely program. It's a lovely program. And, uh, and you can see me. I'm a completely and absolute advocate for that and converted to this system idea. Yeah, it's, it sounds so brilliant. And yeah, what a lovely... What a lovely atmosphere to learn music in. It is, it is indeed. I know as a music teacher that often the problem is not so much the intention of music leaders in wanting to give everyone the opportunity to learn an instrument, but often the problem up and down the country is actually how to finance that. So I guess um, I'm wondering whether you are able to shed any light on where El Sistema gets its financial backing from and whether it has to sort of meet any targets in that sense? El Sistema was started by private funding at the beginning with some uh, um, help from the, the Scottish government. Richard Holloway, the founder, was, and Nicola Killing, our CEO, was very clever. They were very clever to establish both part funding, private and public funding. And since El Sistema Scotland has shown to everyone that has been able to come and evaluate us, they, we have shown the good impact that the program is making on the community. 
the government has been very open to support us in all of our centers. So we have very good partnerships with all the councils that we are working with and with the central government and also with various trusts and foundations around the world, actually. So I suppose in that sense, that's one of the benefits of it being a global initiative. I think so. And also that we have been able to demonstrate with actual facts that we are making a good impact on the communities that we are working with. So everyone is quite happy to help us to promote the work that we are doing there. Great. Fantastic. Now, obviously, the question that's driving us is what role does music play in bringing about social justice? Are you able to elaborate on how El Sistema has such a positive and um, is such a positive force for social change? I'm going to tell you this in the best way in one of the ethos or visions or rule. I don't know precisely how to say it, but it doesn't matter what happened today good or bad tomorrow will be a new day and you are welcome with open arms to come and join us again it doesn't matter we we are going to deal with the bad things we're going to give you support even if we are as teachers sometimes we struggle as well but you are welcome tomorrow as if nothing happened you know you will be you won't be banned from your ensemble, you won't be banned from your orchestra or musicianship or no, not at all. So every day will be a new day for you and you will be welcome. So social justice, yes, absolutely, <laughs> because we are not judging you for whatever you are doing or you are not doing. You are welcome because you are here. And as long as you are here, you will be making music in whatever shape or form. So this is, this is very important, I think. And yeah. this is a good example of social justice. Yeah, I love that. I think we've talked before how the music making process that you just described, it demonstrates a formula where anybody involved in El Sistema has the freedom to get something wrong or to change their mind or to to leave the orchestra and come back again i think what it advocates on like a very small level is that the freedom of opportunity for people and i think that what I, that's what i love about what you just described there is that that for me that has the power to represent how society should work on a more macro yes. level as well and in one of the evaluations that came from the Glasgow population, uh, it said that it demonstrated the importance of the bonds created between students and the positive impact on development of positive social groups, peer relationships, and cultural engagement. So I think this is another one that is very good because you are not only giving them the choice or the chance, to play and learn how to play, but also to feel comfortable and safe in the environment that we are giving you for you to be safe. Sometimes some of these kids, the only thing stable in their life will be school and sistema mm -hmm. or big noise. So we know how important we are in some of these kids' lives. So how important we are 
offering them consistency in a safe environment. So, yes, <laughs> social justice, here we come. Yeah, absolutely. Keep doing what you do, really. <laughs> Intensive music making, that's what we are doing. And we will continue to do. Because Sistema is here to stay for the long run. That has been one of the visions and, and ethos of Sistema Scotland. We are not here to, to do a project for two or three years. Our main goal is to stay for the long run, to offer a kid a music tuition within us a very safe and social environment for the long run. So since you are a baby and you are attending our you know, our baby slash toddler groups all the way to adulthood. So we are here for the long run. And I think that consistency of presence is important for us. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights into El Sistema and, and a bit about your journey and your background as well. It's been really great to hear you talk about it with such passion and enthusiasm. So, Oh, passion for music. You will have it from me and from everyone working in Sistema, for sure. <laughs> because great. Sistema is not a work or a job, it's a way of life. I love that. So Holly, what did you think was most interesting about your chat with Natalia? Um, well, obviously it was really interesting to hear everything Natalia had to say, but um, I found it particularly interesting to hear about her sort of talking about the relationship between politics and El Sistema and how it mm -hmm. sort of changed over the years. And as some listeners may know, there has been quite a bit of sort of ac academic discussion surrounding the ethics of El Sistema. But I thought it was particularly interesting to hear it from... Natalia specifically relating it to Chavez and how and how that's been seen in the West from a specific way mm -hmm. um, and I think yeah it just sort of brings into the discussion sort of more complex issues of sort of politics and how that can relate to sort of music and social justice what yeah, about you definitely I think that's such a good point I think it is good to raise that question of you know sometimes arts can be manipulated for a government agenda and actually maybe we don't think about that enough maybe we yeah. don't think about the fact that certain genres of music are preferred in a way or thought of as, as elite in a way compared to others and we don't think about how that's connected possibly to how governments have wanted us to think of the arts and think of music and yeah. I'm really interested in this topic I think there are a couple of philosophers that I have read up on and so for example John Dewey um, he talks about the fact that he passionately believes the art should be independent of government control purely mm. because art should be this way of expressing personal experience rather than to fit some sort of agenda um, and I think for me that's when art or music becomes a form of social justice when it's about self-expression and self-realization and I think mm. I think our two guests this week demonstrate that and they and it's it's one of those things in which experiences and programs are not clear they they often can be both you know fulfilling for one person and unfulfilling for another person and I think what we've touched upon in this conversation is just how messy that can be sometimes. Mm. I think it was also interesting to hear it from the perspective of Veronica 
who's working in Scotland and how that's kind of like completely different um, mm-hmm. which sort of just highlights how things change from country to country If you enjoyed listening to our conversation please like, rate and subscribe to this podcast and be sure to give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at YOSJ UK Have a great week and thank you for listening